0: The Queering Little Women, a podcast about Joe March, a trans man who's just trying to make it as a writer in Concord, Massachusetts in the 1860s. This is Episode 5, Chapter 5, Being Neighborly. to Queering Little Women. I'm Maggie. And I'm Joe. And this is episode five, chapter five, Being Neighborly. In this chapter, Joe goes to meet Laurie, who's been locked up sick in his house for a week. She brings a blonde from Meg, flowers from Amy, and three kittens from Beth. She meets his grandpa. There's more discussion about gender roles. <laughs> Joe reports back to the family and makes it clear that he is not thinking about romance or anything like that. That Joe is not thinking about that or Lori is not? That Joe is not. Joe. Okay. Yeah okay so let's just hop on in one of the first things that i noticed was that they talk about where the march family live and it's entirely unclear there's an annotation about it that says that because the alcott's lived in concord massachusetts yeah. everyone assumes that the marches lived in concord right, massachusetts right. too although they refer to it as a suburb a suburb of the city yeah, yeah. Um, a suburb of the city and then I imagine the city was Boston right and it seems the city is probably Boston but then they say because Concord was rather rural at the time um, and it was like 16 to 18 miles where the where the Alcott's lived it might not be considered a suburb at this time of course 16 to 18 miles would be considered a suburb and Concord would be considered a suburb of Boston now Mm -hmm. but at that time it was kind of far and huh. and rural to be considered a suburb. So it might be that they that that the, Lou moved the, the, the March family closer, closer to closer to the city. But it's sort of there's the town is never listed. Mm. Um, so it could be at, you know kinda anywhere. But that's interesting. I it sort of blew my mind a little bit because I've always sort of thought of them as conquered and definitely in the Winona Rider nineteen ninety four version, they straight up say conquered a lot. Right. Yeah, I've, uh, I've always been sort of a little confused about where they live because they talk about all these, like, fields and, you know, they, like, go on the li- the river and there's a lot right. of, like, rural-seeming stuff, but they also talk about meeting somebody in town and, like... Right. You know, and the, the Lawrence's house is, like, right across the street from... Like, it definitely seems like right. they're, they're living pretty closely with their... Right. ...neighbors. So right. So it's kind of confusing. Well, and there was a later quote that says... We haven't been here a great while, you know, but we have got acquainted with all of our neighbors. Joe says that to Lori, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which I found quite startling because he is implying that the March family just moved here. We haven't yeah, been here for very long. Yeah, because they lived somewhere else when Papa was rich. Oh, but did they, so they lived in a different town? I guess. Because then later, um, Mr. Lawrence knows um, Marmy's father. Father. So, they couldn't have been that far away that they. Yeah, but I mean, these are all other. within a they few hours in a carriage. It just seems strange to me. And I found both of those kind of blew my mind a little bit that the marches were like new to town mm-hmm. and that um, they might it's not in Concord. Cause but like, they it? probably just moved there from Boston or something. Like, they probably mm, didn't maybe. move from very far away. Maybe. Who knows? Anyway, on to the queering. That was just. <laughs> <laughs> what do you say, we queer little women let's, today? Let's queer it. Let's queer the shit out of this. So, okay, there's an interesting annotation in here where Joe talks about sort of saving Lori or whatever. Mm. And I'm just going to read the annotation. So it says In Whispers in the Dark, the fiction of Louisa May Alcott, Elizabeth Lennox Kaiser argues confined. Almost imprisoned in the big house next door, Lori is freed by Joe in a reversal of the Sleeping Beauty tale. In boldly entering the house and by confronting gruff old Mr. Lawrence, Joe seems to be appropriating male powers and freeing a part of his own nature whoa it says her own nature but i corrected you corrected the pronouns. them yeah and i've been correcting the pronouns as I i'm reading in it. my notes i put it in brackets oh right? yeah yeah when i when i'm reading it to myself i just mm, change the pronouns in my mind that's what you should do yeah yeah mm-hmm. good and i'll either replace it with joe's name or with he him mm-hmm. so that's i thought that was that was very interesting that the joe is the male saving Lori. does does that make Lori more effeminate or not well, there's some stuff about, Or does it like, make Joe gay? Because we already know that he well, is. We're pretty sure that Joe's gay. Yeah, he's a fag. But not romantically interested in Laurie. No, I don't think so. I mean, I really think that Joe thinks of Laurie as a brother. hmm The brother that he always wanted. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think there is a way that Laurie... Like, because in this chapter, they talk about Laurie wanting to be a musician and yeah. the grandfather being wanting him to not do something to do that's that. more high status. And Joe's just like, let him do it, whatever. Yeah. I don't know that being a musician is like effeminate necessarily, but there's something about like, Laura, yeah, I think Laura would do pretty well as like the rich wife person whose job was just to be sociable and keep things nice, Which you is know? so interesting that he chooses Amy. I know. Of all the choices well, he could I, make. They have a lot of interests in common. They both like being friendly and, and fancy together. I guess. I, I totally ship Laura and Amy. <laughs> you what? I ship them. What, what does that, that mean? A, it's, like, from fan fiction. It's, like, short for relationship, and it's, like, oh. it's like the people that you want to get into a relationship. You say, I ship, and then the pairing. It sounds like you're packaging them and, like, sending them overseas. <laughs> it's just short for relationship. <laughs> I see. Um, okay, so, again, Lou refers to Lori as brown-faced with curly black hair mm-hmm. when he's... Um, you know, peeping on them from the windows. And then later they talk about him being a half Italian. Mm-hmm. So this is one of the li- the line when they're talking about him being Italian, his mother's Italian, mm-hmm. and his grandfather or whatever. So Marmee is explaining that to the girls when, yeah. and Joe when, when he gets home. And um, Marmee says, I fancy the boy who was born in Italy is not very strong, and the old man is afraid of losing him, which makes him so careful. And I I found that line sort of hard to follow. Like, is the boy not strong somehow because he was born in Italy? Yeah. That doesn't make any sense, though. And the old man is afraid of losing him, which is why he... He's so which careful. makes him so careful. Makes the old man so careful. Yeah, I just found the whole line very confusing. Yeah. And I, I didn't find it illuminating at all. I was like, Marmee, I would like to ask for clarification <laughs> what do you what the fuck do you mean like i mean she means that's why laurie doesn't like go out and play with people and he's sort of just like kept to himself in this quiet way because mr lawrence is afraid that he'll get he'll like die i think he's he's not very strong like physically i think but that's because he was born in italy that part doesn't make it <laughs> that doesn't make it okay but that's how i read it Okay. Like, oh, all right. I don't know what that means. Can we talk about all the discussion of gender and Joe's gender? Oh my God, there's this, so like, much. This is. The line other. that really stood out to me was Joe says, Don't go to school. I'm a businessman. Girl, I mean. I know. <laughs> I know. Uh, you were right the first time, baby. <laughs> Another line, yeah. Joe on his gender I am not a young lady. Yes. Right. Although that could be... A gender thing, a class thing, or an age thing. Well, and there's a whole uh, annotation about that. Oh, because, yeah. And in my version, it says, I I ain't a young lady. Oh, sure. Um, But there's an annotation about that that's sort of like lady versus woman. Right. Where it talks about how, and it goes on and on. for. It's a quite a long annotation, but it goes on about how Lou has several other characters where Lou is challenging the concept of what it means to be a woman mm. at that time. Mm-hmm. And there's... Um, this sort of like ideal woman that Lou sort of paints that would be considered probably like a modern day woman or at least one would hope Hmm. Um, that's a and that's distinct from a lady Yes, because a lady, I think, that Lou thinks is more sort more like of the like Amy the character. Yeah, the, oh. the style or the um, mm-hmm. stereotypical lady right. of the era and her vision of the ideal woman, hmm. uh, or Lou's vision of the ideal woman. And so I think that there was some sort of, like, in Lou's mind, and as this annotation points out, like, other characters that Lou has written sort of challenge that concept of what it means to be a woman, which Mm -hmm. I think that Lou is definitely a feminist. Right. And um, anti-sexist. And really trying to challenge that at the same time that Joe is a trans man. Right, right, right. You know, I think that Lou understands that gender is more complicated than just the gender roles. Like, in chapter one, I think it was when I read you that annotation about how like, of course Joe wants to be like a boy because boys have more power and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That... Like that's it's much more complicated than right. that. And and I think that Lou gets some of the nuances of that at mm-hmm. the same time that like a lot of them obviously hadn't emerged. The language for it hadn't right. it hadn't you emerged to talk about that? in eighteen sixty nine when the book was published. hmm So yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree with that. That there, that that a lot of this book is about, you know, for the characters surrounding Joe, it's about how do you be a woman in this culture that they live in. Yeah, and especially when you're smart, right? Like you know, Mar- like Marmy, Meg, Beth right Amy are all dealing with that yeah how do you navigate and cope with the oppression of sexism right you the patriarchy and how do you navigate that at the same time especially you... Marmy I feel like especially Marmy is she's is a master that character yeah yeah at, at navigating it gracefully right because that yeah she's very graceful what else do we okay know? so we have um another line Joe seemed to understand the boy almost as well as if he had been one himself. Oh my God! I know. I wrote that one down too. Yeah, that was a quote from Mister Lawrence, or Mister Lawrence was thinking that. No, I th- I thought that was maybe from the narrator. Maybe it was from Mister. Yeah, Mister Lawrence, because I wrote he liked Joe for her odd, blunt ways. Oh. He suited him, and she seemed to understand the boy ah, almost as that's if Mister Lawrence had been thinks. one himself. Lawrence- so, Mr. Lawrence sees Can that. See and that. then later, um, he calls Joe Dr. Joe. Did you know uh, that? So he says, Dr. Right, Joe. Right, not, not, I didn't even think of that as being gendered. But yes, yeah. well, he doesn't say I, nurse. Right. Well, and he doesn't say Miss Joe. Right. He says Dr. Joe. And I thought when I read it, I was like, oh, interesting, Dr. Joe, like why maybe he's like, this is me thinking like, because doctor is a gender neutral title in, uh-huh. my, in my mind, nope. except for when, when I read it, the it, annotation, yeah. it said usually that title was reserved for males at that time. And so he was, it was, um, his way of sort of giving respect yeah, um, like, or honor to Joe and how much he enjoyed Joe, yeah. I think. And so, yeah. Well, because also Joe had just been there to visit somebody who was sick. Oh, sure, sure, right. Sure. So I thought it was a doctor about that, but he oh, definitely interesting. Could I didn't even chosen... think that. <laughs> <laughs> right, because he was Joe was there visiting Laurie because Laurie had been sick. Right, but, but I think earlier, like you definitely could say nur- you could talk about being a nurse sure. or uh, yeah, you know, some other kind of caregiver right. instead of a doctor. Yeah, and I think that this is maybe Lou's attempt at because most of the time when Lou is talking about Joe using. Um, masculine whatever that means words it's from sort of Joe's perspective or Joe's thinking it Uh or maybe the narrator is describing Joe as gentlemanly Joe's sisters say it to Joe but in a a critical way in a negative way sure and this is like it's 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 like someone is seeing Joe and honoring right. and Joe just in, and as who he is and and that's isn't that lovely yeah you know and that's that's an interesting choice for Lou to make that mm-hmm. and of all the people it's the like rich Mr. white Lawrence. guy that lives yeah. next door <laughs> that's interesting yeah that's, I know thank you for pointing that out I hadn't thought of that well and then later. Um, that's interesting you said the thing about joe being the doctor because joe says to his sisters when he gets home something about like uh laurie was really um grateful for the the medicine or whatever and he said mm-hmm. thank you for the medicine and then um he says i i assume he meant the the food that marmy had sent right and then the and then meg i think it's meg says how stupid you are child he meant you of course uh-huh and then joe's like did he i did not like, and I just, like, I, I circled that whole part, and I just wrote, me. <laughs> Somebody has a crush on me? I was like, what? Do you they really like me? That's what that was about. But although when I was reading it, I did think that they meant Joe. Yeah. When he, when he said, like, thanks for the medicine, I was like, of course, he meant the good company. Right. You know? But then um, I just thought it was so funny that that was like included that, you know, like Mm. one of those little nuanced um, real life things that Lou was so brilliant to include. Love that. Yeah. (laughs) Love it. I loved that too. You are joking. I would totally do that. I do that all the time. If you have a crush on me, you need to use those words. (laughs) Otherwise, I probably won't know. I have a crush on you. Yeah. Okay Uh (laughs) uh-huh it may it may be Um, hard to get people to do that well yeah well you know okay also there's some explicit description of what boys are like and what girls are like between laurie and joe i have um i made a note about where is that oh here it's on my page 55 so isn't so have someone come and see you then so joe is downstairs yelling up at the window where laurie is oh yeah do you want to do it with me i'll be laurie and you can be joe Okay, okay great have someone come and see you then there isn't anyone I'd like to see. Boys make such a row, and my head is weak. Isn't there some nice girl who'd read and amuse you? Girls are quiet and like to play nurse. Don't know any. You know me, began Joe, then laughed and stopped. Oh, mine says you know us. I know, and I made a note about that <gasps> because there's a note. There's a there's an annotation. Okay, uh, so anyway. So I do. Will you come, please? I'm not quiet and nice, but I'll come if Mother will let me. I'll go ask her. Shut the window like a good boy and wait until I come. Hmm. Yeah, because I did make a note because when I saw the, the annotation, usually don't read the different language right. annotations because mm-hmm. um, there are several different changes and different versions. Right. But that one, since it said, you know me, and there was another one later that I checked as well, I was like, what, what else could it possibly say? And I, I did, it said, say, you know, you know us. us. And I'm wondering, it's so. Is that like flirtatious or seen as being forward or flirtatious? Huh. I didn't think about it that way. I was thinking that this is Lou trying to overcorrect. Mm. That was how I felt about Because I wrote down like a uh, binary dialogue about boys and girls on page 94. That's what I <laughs> that. I wrote, and then I wrote, you know me versus you know what? Yeah, because I, I, I think that was Lou. I think this whole section is Lou really trying to like, this is what it's supposed to be right, like. Right, right, this right, is right, what right, it's right. like. This is what other, you know, People labeled as women tell me that their experiences are what, Well, but see, what, that's you know. what I was trying to say about in the last episode that we did. I forget what it was about, but there was something that was reinforcing gender stereotypes, and I was thinking it was that kind of, like, overcorrection of, mm. like, oh, I have to put in the stuff about what the men and the women are like. Right, right. Randomly, I noticed that Mr. Lawrence calls Laurie, sir. Huh. Even though he's, like like, 16 years old, he's young. They're very formal with each other. Oh, also that Joe says that Laurie he needs a party of jolly boys. to Oh play with. yeah, I wrote that down as well. I was yeah. like, I think you're the one that needs a party of jolly boys. I think to they play with. both you need, need a party of jolly boys. I do have some note about the Hummels. I Are have the Hummels in here. Yes, there's a note where when Mister Lawrence comes in and he overhears Joe talking about mm-hmm, him, etc. Mm-hmm. To her, to himself, which mm-hmm. I love. Mm-hmm. Um... <laughs> it's it says uh doing nicely sir and joe went off talking very fast as joe told about the hummels in in whom joe's mother had interested richer friends than they oh, were yeah Richer friends than they were. Does that mean that she, like, went and talked to some other rich people and was like, hey, come take care of this poor family? Yeah, because she was like, we don't have enough means to provide them with the things that they actually need. Interesting. We just gave them breakfast one day, but we need someone who actually has money to, like, buy them shit. And is that how, like, impoverished people were managed at that time? I do not know. There was an annotation in a previous chapter that was about, I can't remember what it's called now, but it was, um... Some organization that people got together and like organized rags and other things that they could give to impoverished people. And that like Lou and Abigail were involved in that at that time. Huh. I kind of think of this era as being, like, an era of the aristocratic ladies being charitable or sort of, like, inventing the idea of a particular kind of charity. I'm not sure if that's accurate, uh-huh. but I think of, like, was the settlement house movement around this time? Like, sort of this, I feel like a lot of our modern non profit like, mm. white savior kind of charities Non-profit maybe, like, industrial complex date like from before. around this era, I think yeah well and I wasn't sure if it was like less organized and more mm-hmm. just kind of neighborly like oh well this oh, sure. you know just kind of like community based because mm-hmm. there's 12 people who live in the town or whatever right. you I know? think they live in a bigger town than that though It's very unclear. I mean, it's a suburb, whatever that means, in 1860. But they have, like, a fish market. They have, you know, there was, like, some mention in the previous chapter of, like, Joe's relatives living in town, like, different relatives that live in town and meet Joe in the street and buy him candy and stuff. Right. So it's, I think it's not that small a town. Right. Well, and the Lawrences have this big bougie house right. that they're just going to go on and on and on about de- describing. And they have, <laughs> they have the conservatory and all sorts of other but things. But in the beginning, they say they contrast the houses and the Lawrences are rich, but they're lonely. And the Marches have... There's, their house is simple, but they're rich in, rich in, love. in love. Oh, wow. family. Wow. Yeah. Oh, also, class is a moment. Laurie's just like, Yeah, my room could be nice, but my maids are so lazy. I know. Oh my God. Why did he do that? He's so. And then Joe comes in and's and like, oh, like, I'll, I'll clean, clean it up, you. up for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. That's not what. <laughs> what real joe would do no no although on that similar note right before joe comes over laurie changes his collar oh, and then yeah. there was a very interesting annotation which i had some hometown pride about because they oh. talk about how the peop- the what a woman invented the detachable collar because she was having a hard time cleaning her husband's collars specifically oh. so she invented these detachable collars and oh. it became this like massive thing which was a factory in Troy New York which is very close oh. to where I grew up and um, and they had this whole detachable collar factory and th- it was mostly women who worked in the factory uh-huh. and then they unionized and they had a strike which they were su- very successful in and they ended up getting what they wanted and they were supported Bass. by other things yeah it was very interesting annotation which has nothing really to do with little women except for that I just found it it's fascinating. Great. Yeah. And it's Troy, New York. Union-made detachable collar. Totally. That That's yeah. great. Yeah, really lovely. Um, another note is that there. this is our first, I think it's our first mention of John Brooke. The oh, character, the tutor. The tutor. Um, and he is based off of Meg, or Anna. Yeah, Anna is Meg. <laughs> I'm not, I don't know. Um, Anna's husband, whose name was John Pratt, Okay. In real life. And the annotation indicates that his last name, Brooke, might have been because John Pratt lived for a short time on Brook Farm, which was their transcendentalist commune. Oh, sure. And so he was there for a little while, and so it might be that's oh. why he was So given Meg married Brooke. someone who was around in the commune when they were kids? Because they lived in the commune when they were young, Anna, right? Yes. Anna, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, Anna. Yeah. My Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Well, and then there was that whole thing that I told you about before that the stuff in myth history, miss- you missed in history class, people sort of insinuated that the co creator of, of Brook Farm had sort of a gay relationship with Bronson. Right. Right. <laughs> that they might have and that was why Abigail was like salty about it and had like you know, because they were suggesting that they sleep segregated by right. sex. Right, 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 right. And Abigail was, was like, like I'm leaving. You. She was like, fuck this noise, I'm taking the kids. <laughs> like, <laughs> so yeah. Um, interesting. There is another note later when they're talking about Lori mm-hmm. that um it says that's why he has such handsome black eyes and pretty manners. Italians are always nice. <laughs> Those Italians. No, they have such handsome black eyes. And Here's a, a, a thing that I was thinking about with the question of, like, is Laurie black based on his description, yeah. et cetera. But now we know that he's Italian. When I was in college, uh-huh. I used to play Guess Who with my friend Jay. Like the the actual the game, game with Guess the Who flip, with the, the flippy flip things, things, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Where as some of you, anyone who's played Guess Who, might know, there's like there's like two two black people, people, people color, yeah, right. But there are some other people that sort of have maybe an olive complexion. complexion, and they have curly hair. And so Shay and I used to ask each other, "Is your person of a darker persuasion?" <laughs> To sort of pin down, yeah, just, just try and ask that question because it was so stupid to ask the question, you know, because you would be eliminating, right? And it was sexist too. There was like three women, yeah, and there was like three mm-hmm. people of color, mm-hmm. and then it was all like white men, and some have glasses, and some wear ties, and so, you know, it's like really, yeah, it's such a weird thing when the whole game is like based on <laughs> describing people. Yeah, it's really strange. But yeah, I used the to last love that time game. I tried to play Guess Who I opened it up to play with my like three or four year old housemate at the time she was three or four and we started looking at it and I just it was like one of those moments where you're like oh now we have to talk about why I don't actually like <laughs> this game which just happens all the time when you hang out with kids it's like oh this book now I d- need to tell you that I don't like this book after all. I should have asked because I haven't played since I was in college with Shay but I should have asked like does your person experience racism or sexism? <laughs> Perfect. First hand, on a daily basis. <laughs> Does your cartoon character experience that? Um, so anyway, I thought about that. Okay, there's one other theme that I want to pull out, which is the whole, um, emphasizing, Lou emphasizing the pre-sexualness of Joe and the other kids in the family which i think happens throughout the book Mm -hmm. so one line is at 15 he was as innocent and frank as any child and another time like marmy ends the chapter practically with saying children should be children as long as they can
1: like there's this sort of like
0: we don't want to get into any of that sexy nonsense well, it's not good for us. And it's interesting you say that. There, what I didn't mention in last chapter was mm-hmm. when Joe and um, Meg are walking to work. Joe uses the word um, minxes. So Joe says, if Marmy shook her fist instead of kissing her hand to us, it would serve us right for more ungrateful minxes than we are never seen, cried Mm. Joe. And then um, Meg scolds Joe for using Mm. such a dreadful expression, etc. And so the annotation says... Um, in my copy, it doesn't say minxes, it says wretches. I know. Yeah. So I was like, why is that a dreadful expression? Meg, what's your deal? So in, um, the annotation says that minxes means sly, bold, young women or girls. (gasps) And then it says Meg perhaps objects to the word because it carries sexual connotations as being pert or saucy. And then it says that in the the um, 1880 to 1881 editions, it was changed to wretch, which carries no sexual connotation. Ugh. But then I was just like, why is Meg so uptight that... She doesn't even like the words ungrateful wretch. Well, but Man. they also scold her for, um, scold Joe for using the, the slang Christopher Columbus as sure, an sure, 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 sure. Exclamation. So what do we et know cetera? about so, what their language yeah, is? Yeah, like. so who knows? Christopher Columbus. Wow. So yeah. Joe's basically like, we're such a couple of sluts. Yeah. <laughs> we're ungrateful minxes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think, I think it's more Joe just saying, um, Because Joe reads all these fantastic novels. Right, 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 right. And I think it's probably Joe just sort of tapping into that vocabulary, you know, and really wanting to, like, be part of that sort of fantasy world. I Um, definitely identify with that as a kid, like, saying words that I had read in a book that I thought sounded good, and then they were, like, not quite the right choice. Oh, my God. I have this really embarrassing story of um, using the word whore once at camp, (laughs) and then... (laughs) <laughs> this is so embarrassing. I'm not, I'm historically a bad speller. Just okay, to sure. Just preface the story. So I used the word whore at camp and then was scolded by a camp counselor. And then I was like, okay, great. I won't say any words that start with H. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I'm still
0: going to say whore. A fuck up. And it was like, honestly, because I didn't know how to spell whore, I thought it was... Right, with an H. right I mean it <laughs> sounds like it has an I H. know I was like silent W's are both I don't hard. know I was probably 13 yeah that's fine yeah I'm not mad there's still all sorts of things I don't know how to spell yeah um, lots of people who text message with me can it ad-
1: <laughs> <laughs> I haven't noticed
0: that. that yet okay well that's because there is spell check on my iPhone oh cool yeah okay so so anyway I don't know what we think about that that, that Lou finds it so important to stress. That the kids are not interested in romance. Yeah, I think it's m- maybe Lou really trying to assert that Joe is not interested in romance. You know that Joe is not in- particularly with because right, Joe, it's because true. Lou does go later into uh, after um, part one is published. All these, um, Lou was, like, got a barrage of letters and all this stuff sure. asking um, when are Joe and Lori to get, get together. And right. Lou really dug in their heels and was like, I will not marry Joe right. to Lori. Right. I will die first, essentially. <laughs> like, that will never happen, you know? Right. I'm not going to do that just to uh, appease the, the audience uh-huh. because that's what they want. And so I think this is maybe Joe kind of asserting, or Lou asserting Joe as... Um, a character that's, that, that, that is not a priority not in Joe's priority life. Him. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, it's true that so Marmy says, I hope Meg will remember that children should be children as long as they can, and then Amy says, I don't call myself a child, and I'm not in my teens yet. So Amy's like, I'm not a child. I'm ready to grow up already, and she's 12. I'm not a child. I'm ready to marry Lori now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a child. I'm a saucy minx. That's that's <laughs> my special <laughs> little sister you're talking about. <laughs> Yeah, there is the in chapter four. There is that part about how Meg loves, Meg Amy. loves Amy, and Joe, Joe loves, loves Beth. Beth, but the two older are something special to each other, or something like that. yeah, they meant a great deal to each other. Yeah, like they sort of guide each other, etc. And that, and in real life, I think. I mean, I almost wonder. If it's Lou's sort of guilt about Lizzie dying that had Lou paint Lizzie as such a martyr, I mean, I've been or thinking Beth that. As a martyr. I've been thinking that all along. That that Beth is just like so. To me, seems so unrealistically drawn as this like perfect human. That it that yeah, it would make sense if that was because of Lou's sadness over over losing her it might be that well but marmy also emphasizes that it's good for like marmy definitely seems to be saying like she says children should be children as long as they can that it's like better there's something sort of well and you think unavoidable but harmful about that definitely has to do with sex you think oh yeah well because i also think it has to do with sort of um, obligation, and I didn't even read it as sex. I read it more as just like no because, dealing with like adult problems. Because Meg, and all it's after the stuff. compliment, the thing that you highlighted as "quote unquote" me, Just like me, yeah. right? So Meg says, "I never saw such a girl. You don't know a compliment when you get it." Said Meg with the air of a young lady who knew all about the matter. Mm. I think they are great nonsense, and I'll thank you not to be silly and spoil my fun. Laurie's a nice boy, and I like him, but I won't have any sentimental stuff. About yep. compliments and such rubbish, right? And then is saying Meg to remember that children should be children as long as they can. So I think it's about sex. And I think it's going to come up again later. Well, I mean, it's about sex insofar as it's about courting at right. that it's time. it's about courting. And it's about But I mean, that's the marriage, we're going to get to sex in this book. Sure, sure. Right. And it's about, like, the, you know, system that insists that people must be coupled. Right, right. Maybe Was... Marmy just doesn't like that. The system of people being coupled, yeah, and it's just like enjoy this whole single thing you get to do. I don't children. know because she talks so much she about loves it. Actually. About she loves being married, her husband and, and how him, great he is, how wonderful he is, even though he's absent and yeah. uh, loaf. You know, but yeah, I interesting, but she yeah, and she speaks so highly of that. I only gave one man, blah. <laughs> <laughs> excuse me while I Ralph. Uh, I think that's that's, that's all that done. I have that's for chapter done. 5 we, did. we didn't have as much for 5 as for 4 uh, being, being neighborly, neighborly. and um, thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Queering Little Women join us next week for episode 6 chapter 6 Beth finds the palace beautiful if you have any questions or comments or you want to just share in the joy send us an email at queeringlittlewomen at gmail.com Excuse me while I ralph. Tyler, make sure you put in that. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Queering Little Women. Uh, Can we start calling it QL Dub?